Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Jen McFarland, CEO of Women Conquer Business, where she helps business owners work logically and intuitively from their biggest business goals to their smallest tasks and provides recommendations based on their purpose, vision, and values. Jen has a dynamic background, which I'll let her detail for you a little bit more shortly. Combined with a contagious can-do attitude, this helps her guide women business leaders to think strategically about their business projects so they can be working towards their biggest business goals efficiently and effectively every day. Today, we're going to talk about Jen's three pillars for growing a successful business, leadership, project management, and digital marketing. We'll learn what's worked from Jen's experience, what could be avoided, and how some businesses are missing the mark. Jen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to have you on today. (laughs) What I'd love to do is start off with you sharing a little bit more about your background and what got you to where you are today. Sure. So, yeah, as you said, I've had a very dynamic background. Uh, I think that in terms of being an entrepreneur, I wouldn't be one of those people who was just born selling and an entrepreneur. I think I've kind of grown into it just through a life of service. I think that my life changed maybe the most. I was a graphic designer and did a lot of work in marketing as an in-house designer and marketer. And then I went into the Peace Corps and I served for two years in Kazakhstan and I just loved it. And that was when I really established this love for projects, sort of like, Tell me what it is that you need, and we are just going to make it happen. Only I didn't know at that time that you could do work in projects until I left, and I looked at my husband, who was with me in the Peace Corps, and I said, what do I do now? I really liked that. And he's like, I think you need to keep doing projects. (laughs) So (laughs) I went and got my master's degree in leadership and project management, and then spent 10 years working in tech project management. And... In that process, I started to realize that I wasn't doing enough direct service, like I wasn't helping individuals enough, and I kept having this pull back to that creative marketing side, and so it was that direct service and the creative pull that led me into entrepreneurship, and it just started as like helping a few friends, and then it's just grown and grown into something a lot bigger, and that's how I got here. (laughs) That's awesome. So you managed to get a degree that literally had the word project in it so that you could continue doing your love of projects. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it was in sustainable development and project management. So it was continuing to help with like uh, the developing world. Um, And I don't, I don't know how many small businesses and startups you help, but it's a lot like that in that there are so many unknowns out there that you really have to be prepared. So in a lot of ways, it's really prepared me for this unknown world of entrepreneurship and people really trying to do something big and new. Very cool, okay. Well, so I know you wanted to chat a little bit more today in regards to your pillars, because you have three basic pillars that you believe in with leadership, project management, and digital marketing. What do you wanna jump in first on? 
Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and I, first I want to acknowledge there are a lot of other areas of your business. Just the things that I appreciate and I can help people with. So I, I want to just say that. But for me, especially working with women, when we talk about leadership, a lot of times people say, I'm, I'm not a leader or I can do this one thing. And then they hire other people to handle the things that they're not experts in. And there are some real dangers to that, particularly around marketing. If you're not really clear about what it is that you need, setting up your expectations, and then championing these initiatives or goals or ideas with the people that you're hiring to help you, um, you kind of get what you get. Mm-hmm. So the first step in leadership is to really acknowledge all of the places in your life where you're actually doing a significant amount of leading, whether it's with your family or as a manager before you started your business or just in your day-to-day life. And then realizing that, you know, stuff isn't going to happen in your business unless you lead to it and, and make it happen. That's not to say that you're going to tell the person how to do their job, but you're going to be very clear about, the things that that they need to do. Like I've come across a lot of women who just kind of hand off their website to somebody else and it either never gets done or it doesn't get done right. Or um, in worst case scenarios, the person actually um, bolts and takes away like ownership of the site and they can't get into it. And here's like that landing spot, right? For a lot of small business owners, online businesses is kind of that hub, that digital hub, and they can't get into it. And in worst case scenarios, people either do lawsuits or they have to change their URL and start over. Um, And so leadership is really a key, I think, in small business um, for really helping drive your initiatives forward. Yeah, I think I've seen, and this doesn't just apply to women, but it definitely applies to women, but it's men and women in general, that there's two kind of ways that leadership goes wrong. One, either you micromanage and take everything on and you own everyone's jobs as your own. So you start working and doing their own work for them. I, I've, I'm a little bit to blame in this in my career path in the history. Yeah, right. Same. And then. The other is the hands-off of, oh, I hired someone, they should know what to do, they're good, but not giving enough direction so that then they fail. Absolutely. And so it's kind of that balance between chief of everything, which is another way of thinking of CEO, but we want to back off of that. It's in, and then hands-off and then, holy crap, how come how come nothing is going the way that I want it to? It's like yeah. a runaway train. And so what we're really looking for is balance, which is to say, I know what I want. This is, this is how I want things to work. You make it happen professional because you know how to do your thing better than I do, but I want updates and I want to hear about how it's going and I want to see things as it comes along. And in some cases, most importantly, um, I need to know how to log in, how to access everything. I've created my own accounts. I don't want you um, managing all of that because maybe someday I want to work with somebody besides you. Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think I've lived in fear before on some of our digital that I've given, you know, administrative access to people. And sometimes you don't necessarily need to do an admin access and you can do a manager or an editor or all sorts of different things so that they can't take it from you. Absolutely. And part of the digital marketing model and strategy is that I 
employ is really around making sure that if you give somebody that access, that then you have something, a process or something in place for um, also taking it away or changing passwords and kind of keeping track of that. Because before you know it, as you're growing, you could end up with, you know, 20, 30 people with access to stuff and three quarters of them haven't, haven't needed access for a year or two. Right. And I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer, but I bet our lawyer, if they were listening in, would also say you need to have some lockdown consulting agreements for those freelancers also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Specifics about what they can and can't do. So that you can go after them if they do it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not a lawyer. um, But yes, I agree that, um, yeah. You need to have some really specific agreements, and um, and some sometimes it's important to put things about passwords in there as well and access and you know depending on the work that they're doing and anybody who doesn't appreciate that or want to do that um, I I think is somebody to avoid. Yeah. So when talking about leadership, what are some of the guidelines that you set up when you're helping people? What are you telling them are best practices so that they do get their teams coming back to them? They do get people to say, this is where I'm at. Here's where there might be holes I need help with. So that again, that CEO is not sitting there going, knocking on other people's doors, asking for it, seeding through the information, trying to create their own reports. I mean, you're not supposed to be doing that as the leader either. Right. And so this is where kind of the project management piece kind of comes into it, right? So one of the things that needs to happen for effective leadership is that you're tying in these mission and goals with the projects that you're leading and the initiatives that you're, that you're doing. And so that means you develop some clarity around these tasks that you're doing on the daily with how they actually relate back to some of the biggest goals that you have. And that's part of leadership is you might not be doing all of the tasks, but you have ways of monitoring what's happening and if it's actually moving things forward. Um, you're involved in things like all of the assumptions that you're making. Like, it's really easy to be like, I'm gonna make a million dollars. Like, yada, 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 I'm posting on Facebook on Tuesday. And it's like, well, how is that actually going to help me make this goal. And so you do that through like effective planning and project management. Now plans in and of themselves are not sexy, but planning actually is because planning helps you kind of see the landscape. And then as it changes, then you're able to navigate it and you're not caught flat footed as much. So you don't create the plan just to be like, oh, we've got this figured out and put it in your drawer. You plan so that you've had discussions around like what success looks like with your team and you've, you know how you're going to measure success. Um, and even if you personally as a leader isn't going to do that, somebody is tracking and keeping, keeping tabs on things so that you are making these connections between all of the things that you're doing, all of these things that you're paying for and achieving, you know, these broader goals in your vision. And part of the leadership is that you have these people who are, you know, underneath you who are, who are working on these projects. Mm-hmm. How many people do you think one person can effectively manage directly before they actually need to have someone maybe in place to help them with all of these different people orbiting around them? You know, that's really interesting because I've been on really large teams and I would say the number of people that you can have as like direct reports 
so to speak, depends on your willingness to communicate and to communicate often. Um, I think it's really important in terms of leadership to have some sort of communication plan in place or touching base, like um, in, in different methodologies, it's even just having a quick stand-up meeting, like just tell me what's going on, you know, and then, and then moving things forward. Um, if, if those kinds of things aren't um, reasonable for you, um, then it could be anything more than like five or six people and you might want to have somebody kind of managing different aspects. Um, if you're really uncomfortable with um, feeling like you're, you don't know enough, you don't have the technical knowledge maybe of something to really manage it, um, you know, it might, it might be that you have fewer people, you know, it just depends on, you know, what you've, what you've done in the past. I have a background um, as an executive and project manager where I've led large teams. So I have, I'm used to tons of moving parts. And so it, it really, I think, depends on the leader and the context of what they're doing. I think the most important part for leadership, and it might surprise a lot of people um, who are out there listening right now, actually deals with self-awareness and, and gratitude. And that's to say, the more you learn about yourself and the more that you understand who you are as a person and as a leader, and the more willing you are to give thanks, and sometimes that just starts at home, <laughs> but the more willing you are to give thanks to other people, uh, the more positive experience your team is gonna have, and the more you know your blind spots and have that awareness and you're willing to cover those blind spots, the better leader you are, and the more willing people are to work with you and follow you into the fire. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think finding ways in your workforce that, workforce, workplace, both, amongst them, um, to share the positives is something that a lot of people forget. It's very easy to dive in and all the wrongs and forget to celebrate even the little tiny wins. Absolutely. And, you know, when I lead people on like leadership workshops, I ask people to think about the, the one good thing that happened on their worst day. And, there are sometimes that people are like, there's, there's nothing. And, but most people can find something, you know? And so it's about like understanding that there's always the good. And when you're leading a team, it's about saying, okay, so that went sideways and it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. What have we learned from that? Mm -hmm. And you go, you move forward from that perspective instead of burning people up about what they did wrong and pointing things out. It's about saying, okay, well, we'll do better next time. How can we do that? And you just constructively move forward. And instead of um, going from that, you know, alligator brain or stress place of just like, you know, because we all have that stress response and we want to make things right. And sometimes we operate from a different level that isn't effective. If you're leading a team, the more effective place is to be like, okay, let's acknowledge that things didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. And how do we move forward so that we just don't do it again? Okay. I think that is excellent advice. What else should people know when building themselves as their own leadership? Oh, building themselves up in their own leadership. So like I said, a lot of it starts with things like gratitude, self-awareness, and collaboration. So you need to understand that you can't do it all alone. You know, we've kind of talked about that a little bit before. And the way that you figure out 
who you need to collaborate with is by becoming more self-aware around, like I said, the things that you're good at and the things that you aren't good at, but then also aware of the people around you who can support you. You know, I like to look at kind of the, you know, the environmental, economic, social, all these different elements of what is out there that can either support you or not support you. And the reason you look at the things that aren't going to support you is these are risks to your success. But then once you're aware of them, you can actually mitigate those like, oh, okay, we thought that that might happen. So this is what we decided that we would do. And then knowing who will support you, these are people who can either, um, you know, they're like influencers who can help you promote something, or these are people who are subject matter experts that can really help you move things forward and that helps you fill out the team. Um, so all of these things kind of lead into how you can become a more effective leader. But it really does, especially for small companies, start with, with you. And I would say for small and medium-sized companies, but I think most people, myself included, have worked for people who aren't very self-aware <laughs> and they just kind of grind you up. And so it's about, regardless of the size of the team, um, understanding that as the leader, people are always watching you and you need to think about how you're moving things forward as the visionary so that you don't spend all of your time managing work. Right. Have you heard of the book? And I'm like looking this up right now so I can remember the author's name, but have you ever heard of the book um, Traction that's about EOS? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It is a book. I so strongly, so strongly suggest that you read. I read it and listened to it, I think nine times before pulling the trigger and getting rid of several team members. Um, so part of it is about teaching yourself how um, to be a much better leader. Um, but it's also about teaching you how to have the right butts in the right seats. So oh, yeah. You know, that is something sometimes, you know, we all make the mistakes of we like someone, we think they're great, or they're a champion, and just no matter what, they're just not quite doing the job, it's just not quite the fit. And it talks about uh, how to set goals and milestones to move them out of those positions into better positions or out of your company if they're really not a fit. And I, I think that's totally true. I've, I've talked to leaders who realized that they had surrounded themselves with people who were comfortable with where they were at and they weren't actually going to drive this leader to another level, meaning everybody was comfortable. They didn't want to push, you know, to push the company forward. Um, I also talk to people a lot of times about like the balance of who you have on your team. So you can't just have, um, so there, you know, everybody knows there are different different types of people, right? There's analysts who um, just like to be analytical and think things out and they communicate that way. There are people who are more like a bull in a china shop, right? Who are like, I'm just going to get shit done and like, whatever, like this is how it's going to be, you know? And then there are other people who are like, well, I mean, I did some work. When are we going to celebrate? You know? And, and so the reality is you kind of need all of these people on your team who kind of represent kind of all these different archetypes of like how work gets done and how things happen because it allows you to um, communicate better to different types of clients. It allows you to have that balance on your team. You know, the analysts are going to research things to death. The bulldozer is going to really move the work forward. The person who likes to celebrate is going to keep everybody a little more happy, 
you know? Right. Um, so, so that's part of it too, is like, do you have kind of, are you just building teams that reflect you as a leader? Because that's going to hold you back. And are you able to collaborate with people who are way different than you? Um, because if you can't, that's also going to hold you and your team back. Those are both very valid points. Anything else on the topic of leadership that you want to share with our listeners today? Not really. I gotcha. You got you. are like, oh, lead it out. But those are really <laughs> great nuggets. So project management, that was another area you wanted to chat about and talk about. And you've touched on it in the conversation just now. Um, is there certain software that you suggest that you like working with the most or that you've had experience with? Or is there certain systems in place? Or how do you go about, since you, we know you love the word project, how you go about this? <laughs> so um, what might surprise you is I don't recommend project management software right away. And I'll tell you why. Project management software, um, and I don't care if it's Microsoft Project or if it's Trello, Asana, Monday, I mean, all of, all of these, I've tested most, if not all of them, they mostly keep you down at the task level. It's mostly like, what do you have to do? Is it done yet? You know, it's mostly about moving work forward at the very micro level, Right. Um, and as leaders, what we need to do is really, like I said before, um, make that connection between our broader goals and, and the tasks. So I would say before just saying, okay, I'm going to invest in some project management software is to gain some of that clarity around um, moving from your goals um, and what it's going to take before you even get to the tasks. Mm -hmm. And there are some, some connections that you can make and that I work people with through a series of questions to kind of help them connect the basis of what is my mission and goals? And then what are the assumptions I'm going to make before I set a, set up, say a digital marketing plan for like executing that. Um, and so once you're clear about the goals, the purpose, what the outputs are going to look like, meaning what are you going to be delivering? Then you can start thinking about, programs like Asana and Trello, which will really help you manage tasks. Although mm -hmm. I, I really like any software that involves um, a lot of dates and tracking um, so that you're kind of held to some deadlines. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes project management software is really just, um, I don't know, like an, an overblown to-do list um, that you're writing down on a piece of paper. <laughs> And there's nothing there that's saying, hey, did you get this done? Um, so you need to make sure that you are able to like hold your teams accountable and get things done um, and have automated reminders and things like that. Yeah. And I think that um, our team started using Monday earlier this year and we've uh -huh. used Basecamp. We've used all sorts of different things. So I ended up settling on Monday because honestly, it was pretty. And I had some people on our team who were very visually driven, who like Pinterest, and they're like, well, it's pretty and it looks easy, so let's try it. And it depends completely on the individual using it, because I have um, one individual who has just mastered it, and she's put in automatic reminders and follow-ups and calendar integrations. She's making a rock for her and really work and solve solutions. Then I have other people who are like, oh, yeah, that board I need to fill out. <laughs> so it's all about your approach I think overall to it as well absolutely and that's why I really hesitate before making like 
this is the one project management software system that you need to use. I think a lot of it depends on, um, it's so funny that you mentioned Monday because that's the one that I, <laughs> I tend to gravitate to because I am very visual. Pretty. <laughs> to be pretty. Like it's, it's a big part of what I do. Um, but at the same time, it's about kind of, you know, who you have working and what's going to work for them. And then also what it is that you're trying to do. I mean, some of these software, I mean, they're really built around like a tech space and they work great in the tech space, but then they're making that transition to try and help everybody. And there's some bumpy spots in there. So um, that's why it's really hard for me to make just a off the top of my head kind of recommendation. I do think it's sometimes important to do like the teamwork of like leading through like what this project really looks like and then you get into the tasks and I think that that's the part that's easy to skip um, for a lot of people um, especially small teams and small businesses. Anything else you want to share on project management? No you really want to get into the marketing part huh? I do. Let's get into <laughs> digital marketing. Let's chat all things digital marketing and how people can amplify their brand and reach out and connect and communicate and all those things that digital offers. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so what I've been doing in the digital marketing space is I've been working with the city of Portland. They have an inclusive business network and this is Portland, Oregon. And what they found is that they're women and people of color who are starting businesses there's this big gap among digital marketing. They're kind of, they want to do the right thing, but they just aren't sure what that looks like. So then what they do is they either don't do anything or they just start throwing spaghetti at the wall. So what the city asked us to do was sit down and come up with kind of some steps or a process for um, a roadmap, really, for helping small businesses know what they need to do and how they need to do it. Uh, so my colleague, David Mim, um, he developed kind of a system for that. And we've been doing a lot of consulting around helping small businesses show up online and really more than anything, kind of go through and make sure that they have everything implemented so that then when they grow a little bit, they can hire somebody and be like, look, I have all this data. <laughs> you just need to make it work better for me. Okay. Um, so the digital marketing work that I do is a little bit different. Like the biggest pitfall that I see out there are, um, you know, small businesses that don't set anything up and then they go to hire somebody and they're like, you're on a Wix website. Like <laughs> we're gonna have to start you all the way over. So I want to help people with making some of those initial decisions so that then when they go and meet with somebody like you, they're more set up. Perfect. And so when they're doing this, what are the first steps that you suggest? Right. So in digital marketing, especially if you're starting a new business, I mean, there are three things that are, you know, name, address, and phone number are the three most important things. So the first thing that we talk to people about are consistency. So if you want to get found online, make sure that you are sure about your business name and you start setting up all of your profiles, even if you're not going to post to all of them. Pick one social media profile, but get the handles so they're all consistent and then point everybody to the one that you're going to use. Make sure that you have the domain and you, again, it's, it's the same as your business name and don't go down and say um, that you're, I don't know, like Foster Growth PDX. PDX is an abbreviation for Portland, but then if you end up 
serving a broader area, nobody knows what PDX means. So make sure that you are positioning yourself for growth because if you're just starting a business, you don't exactly know what could happen next. So that's kind of where it starts and then it just kind of builds from there. Um, and then we try to, as much as possible, <laughs> keep people from some of those uh, fly-by-night shiny objects that you find uh, late at night on Facebook, those Facebook ads that really aren't going to help you um, and kind of give people some pillars around um, what what platform to follow for their website. Um, if you want to have like an online course, here are some really good structures in place and then kind of connecting people uh, with different marketing houses that can help them achieve their goals when they're ready. Okay. And then um, do you work typically more with business owners who are trying to directly connect with consumers or business consumers? Uh, in the work with um, the city of Portland, it's all different types. You know, we're doing product. We have a lot of e-commerce people that we're working on. So it's, you know, B2C. Um, in my own consultancy, I'm doing a lot of um, B2B work. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all over the board. Um, in my own consultancy, when it's not for the city, uh, a lot of what I'm doing is working with coaches. Um, and so that's a whole different animal where we're working on things like amplifying their message, getting, you know, webinars together, promoting a book, um, doing all kinds of things to try and, and help people. Um, but what I found was, and it's consistent with this work with the city, is that so many coaches um, are really interested in the shiny objects that a lot of times we have to kind of clean up the mess first and then... <laughs> And then we can amplify their message. Have you found that to be the case at all in, in the work that you do? Yeah, we do a little different. So all of our work at Hollywood Branded is with brands to, you know, leverage the power of pop culture. So whether we're working with social influencers or television and film or celebrities or events and red carpet opportunities, it's, it's a little bit different. But sometimes, especially with our more newer clients, not new to us, but just younger brands, um, we have to dive in and make sure that their website is in, uh, you know, a place where it's going to be able to actually take the sales if we get a big hit on a talk show or where we have to dive in and give them actual social media if they're not doing social media or change the social media if we're doing social influencer platform um, partnerships because it's great if you have all these social influencers who are sharing information about a business, but if there's no place socially on that same platform for those people to go and check out and where you can grow your own following base and where you're actually putting content out there that might be appealing, you're losing a lot of value of what you're paying for. And so I think it's, it's more along the lines with those smaller businesses, making sure they're shored up. Absolutely. Because that's like, that's like the nightmare, right? You do all this like influencer marketing, you help somebody and then they go to the landing spot and people are like, what? I don't, it's inconsistent with the brand, inconsistent with the message. They can't follow you. They can't buy things from you. Um, yeah, that's a nightmare. So yeah, I mean, but I, I guess it's kind of what keeps us all uh, going. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And now in this podcast. Learning, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my thing is um, as much as possible, 
to help, the reason why these three pillars are so important is you have to lead the projects. I mean, we, sometimes we spend more time thinking about what it's going to take to paint your house than we do about what it's going to take to show up big online. We just expect it to happen. And so the reason these three pillars are so important to me is you've got to plan it out a little bit and you've got to lead it because you need to be ready because your people are out there. And if you start doing the work, they're going to come. And then you have to have a platform to, to allow that growth to happen. Well, that is a good summary of all three of those. So this seems like a great time to share how our listeners can learn a little bit more about you and also talk about your podcast. Sure. So my podcast is called Women Conquer Business, and it's available on all major platforms. Um, you can also find it on my website at jenmcfarland.com slash podcast, and that's Jen with one N. Um, and you can also find out more about my brand at jenmcfarland.com. And I go into all of these three pillars on my website. I have an active blog. I do Facebook lives and um, I'm always open for connection. So yeah, I would love to hear from you and connect with you. Any last words to our audience today? Yeah. I mean, I think that as marketers, we just need to keep helping curb some of the um, shiny objects out there and keep the, keep the word out there about some of these things that we need to do as to help business owners get started off on the right foot. And I think as business owners, um, it's just about leading with our purpose and showing up big. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved having you on the show. Thank you. Of course. For our listeners, you know, thank you so much for tuning in to Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you next week on more things that can help improve your own businesses. <laughs>